0: 7654321. Hey
1: guys, this is Liz Candace. This is Nikki Collins.
2: What up guys? This is hey, this is Yamani Media Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia. Welcome
3: to the WNBA Nation. What's up WNBA Nation? Kyle Haywood here for another episode. Uh, it's been a little while since we've had an actual official episode come out. We've been doing some live streams on Twitch, but nothing that we've put out on the podcast feed till now. Uh, we had some holidays that we just wanted to make sure that we, um, you know, took a little bit of a break there for a bit and we've got plenty to talk about. Uh, now I think we've got content lined up for the next like. Five weeks probably, um, but uh, a lot of exciting stuff to come. But I'm not alone tonight, in fact, we've got all four of us uh, on the mic. First and foremost, my main man Steve Schwartzman is with me. How are we doing, Steve? Oh, how are you? It's <laughs> Happy New Year and stuff, yeah. It's 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 uh, there's a lot, there's a lot going on, and part of uh part of the reason for us recording tonight was it one, it was planned for tonight, and number two is. <laughs> I think we all need just a little bit of, uh, time to just what are the, get our, get what our the, brains. <laughs> One of the reason is we what, planned
4: what, it. One <laughs> of the reasons we're recording tonight is because we're recording tonight. Uh, that was good. I got you. But, uh, I got you though. You, got
3: you, you. You're picking up what I'm putting down. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. but it's good to have Steve on <laughs> Logan Jones also joining us tonight. How are we doing, Logan? Hey, uh, I was thinking,
2: Kyle, since we're planning on recording tonight, we should, should all we, record? we should all get on and and we like get out tonight. get out all the stuff and we should just record <laughs> while, we're, while we're doing
3: that. <laughs>
2: well,
3: I'm excited uh, for Jason's
4: joke about recording tonight. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Jason is with us, generally running a lot of our uh, of our behind the scenes and production uh, of everything. Jason, good to have you on the mic again tonight. You've been pulling a little bit more duty lately. How's it going?
0: I'm doing good, doing good. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited that we're recording tonight as previously planned. Oh, um, there it was. It, you it said was the secret story.
1: word. Uh, <laughs> um,
0: no, I'm I'm doing good. I I'm excited for talking about sports and other things. That we're going to be talking about a lot on today's podcast. Uh, for those of you listening to the podcast, not watching it live, uh, the reason that we're giving all of this preface about why we're recording tonight. We're currently recording. It is Wednesday night. Uh, There's currently, uh, well, not currently. Earlier today, there were riots at the Capitol and uh, the house got evacuated and all sorts of craziness. So I'm sure you're aware of what happened. Hopefully, by the time this podcast out, things have calmed down. Uh, Obviously, that's what we're all praying for and hoping for. But uh, we can only uh, help. Yeah. So if you're listening to the pod, because uh, full transparency, tomorrow is my 10th anniversary. So the odds this gets edited by tomorrow morning are kind of low. Uh, so <laughs> you'll probably be getting this a couple days from now. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's why all the preamble about that stuff in case that yeah. was confusing for you podcast listeners.
3: Yes. No, makes sense. So, uh, let's actually, we j- we'll let you know basically our plan for this episode is Jason is, has put together a top 20 list, uh, of the, the best 20 moments from the 2020 year. Um, We, what we did is we compiled, we brainstormed a big, huge list, put it into an Excel file, and then each of us went through and voted, uh, on our top 20 moments, one through 20. We ranked them as such. Um, then we, you know, compiled the, the respective points that each, uh, each event, uh, earned through our votes and, uh, put a big list together. And that's what we're going to run down is the top 20 women's basketball moments of the year 2020 um as voted on by yours truly so um yeah so that that's basically what we're going to be doing jason is going to be taking lead on this he's going to be the one that kind of runs things and since he's got the list in front of him and so we'll kind of turn the time over to him and allow him to just kind of run with things from there so jason the floor is yours
0: but yeah, so let's jump right into it. We have a ton to talk about. There's 20 moments. We're going to do our best to keep this to about an hour to an hour and a half. Uh, so I, I will try to keep on top of time. But uh, with no further ado, let's go from number 16 to number 20. The 2020 draft at number 16. Number 17, free agency. Number 18, uh, Shea Petty's buzzer beater. Uh, number 19 is opening weekend. And number 20 is the sun pushes the, ac- push the aces to the brink. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave that up. Uh, from what you guys just saw there, uh, what thoughts do you guys have? Any initial reactions to those events? Anything you guys want to talk about? Uh,
2: my initial impression is you can tell how much we enjoyed a lot of things that happened during the season when in in two of the, the bottom five spots on our, our list is the, the draft and free agency, which is like right. two-thirds <laughs> of the year. Um, so, um, I, the, yeah, those are big ones.
4: Yeah. I mean... Uh, this isn't necessarily a time to like do disputations of the list. I think free agency is a little affected by recency bias because that was a nuts week. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very nuts <laughs> week. Uh, that was back when the sports was still kind of fun. Yeah. And so I just remember there were moves that happened that like, I, I would call them like, uh, like draft simulator or like trade simulation type moves that are like, you only yeah. make it a video game. And they just kept booming and booming and booming and booming. And it was, it was the the one thing that was a little sad. Well, very sad uh, about the, having to transition to the level structure with so many players needing to sit out for various reasons is that almost every team was a new look team. It just like, there was this fun wild West feel of like, I have no idea how any of these recipes are going to taste, but this, this should be fun.
3: <laughs> that, that's a really good way to put it. Um, you know, three of the bigger moves in recent history that I could think of, you know, with Angel McCaughtry to Vegas, Dawana Bonner to Connecticut, and then, um, uh, Skylar Diggins Smith out to <laughs> Phoenix. Those were big shifts across the league. Um, so I agree. Yeah, that probably is a little bit of recency bias because of so many other things that have happened since then that we almost forget. Um, yeah, I, I do want to I, I thought the Shea Petty buzzer beater was maybe one of the highlights like feel good stories of the entire mm-hmm. um of the entire season, unless you're a Washington mystics fan and then it sucked. Um, but for everybody else, it was a really cool, you know, a team that kind of released her and cut her. And then she picked up, hits a buzzer beater to beat her previous team. That's a pretty cool story. And I think there's a definite reason why it's on number 18, uh, on our list. Yeah. I think it was, uh,
4: I, I think it was still the play of the playoffs. I, 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 I understand that it was first round, but right. The, the narrative of that moment and I, we talked about it so much in the moment and people forget about it is that the shot was like the fifth best part of everything about that moment. And that's what was cool about it. Like the fake and the timing was amazing. The, getting to punk your own team was awesome. Or your former <laughs> team was sweet. Like it was I, I had
2: so much fun with that.
4: The The, the celebration was the best she had the cool hand Luke celebration. She didn't She'd, sell it. I she just did have yeah. a
2: solid, I, that's oh. a good, uh, she had a good sense of the moment when she hit that shot. Really? Yeah, pulled, the walk
4: yeah. off was good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was, it, it's one that for some reason may not go high on a lot of, of lists, like five years from now, it may not get talked about much because, well, who knows? Shea Petty may be a perennial all-star by then and maybe it will. Uh, but you know, but it's definitely one that like, it, it'll become like that real ones. No conversation. Yeah. Like people are all going to talk about their DT and their super moments because they should, because they're all great. And we'll be the ones that are like, yeah, but do the shape Eddie shot. Right.
2: And that's <laughs> sweet. I, I sort For of sure. have similar feelings towards the last one on this list at number 20, which is, um, the, the Connecticut sun, not only putting together the type of season that got them into the playoffs, but then, Pushing what looked like the number one or number two team all year long, uh, to really their limits. They pushed the aces, uh, to a five game series before falling. Aces, obviously the number one seed in the tournament. Um, I know you guys didn't vote that one very high. It's probably in the top 20 because I put it very high. Um, I almost, you know, kind of poetic that anytime you do anything with the WNBA and try to count out the sun, they just manage to like, just glide in the last minute. you like, nope, we're here. <laughs> um, but I, I obviously, it, it, I think it's overshadowed because the Aces ended up losing to the Storm, who were the best team. Um, I if, at the beginning of the season, if you're predicting a winner, it was always going to be the Storm, so it doesn't feel as consequential. Um, but in terms of intrigue in the playoffs, remember how the season started for the Sun and just how far they they went, um, pushing a kind of a, a battered Aces team to five, uh, threatening to maybe get back to the the championship, which they have not won. Um, I found that one of the more compelling story arcs of the season.
3: I agree. Sweet. I think. Uh, yeah. Any other last thoughts on on these five?
4: Um, I mean, the draft night was a very interesting time. We also live. That was a live stream night, and that was also a technical difficulties night. So, yeah, lots of similarities, yeah. so isn't it?
0: But, but it was Logan still yeah. photo night, yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. It was uh so much there happened cuz the most of the draft felt inevitable. Uh but um I remember um there was so much to figure out cuz that was one of the first league singular sports anything to occur. Yeah, uh, during the pandemic. Yeah, because they didn't there know was, was going to work at all. Yeah, that was post horse challenge. <laughs> uh let's see if that ended up on the list. <laughs> like that post horse challenge, but also um I think the challenge cup in the NWSL just kicked off, but at this point we really didn't have a lot going on, so we had no idea just how to feel. Like, how different is the draft going to be? You had the, uh, the Gigi Bryant and Peyton Chester and Alyssa Altabelli tribute, which I thought was very simple and, and, and very touching. Um, and so that night was just full of a lot of mm-hmm. moments. Um, and, a lot of really cool draft reactions. A lot of staged draft reactions. Uh, yeah, it was. I, I wanted yeah, to ask really fun.
2: quick in regards to draft <laughs> night. Now that we've got some kind of time, that, like some distance from it, are you guys? When you think of that, like that weird twenty twenty like remote draft, do you have positive impressions from it or negative?
3: Um, for me, it was it was pretty positive for me because I, it felt like it was the like first semblance of like okay, we're going to continue on um that's kind of how i felt about it like okay like things are gonna get weird but like and and it feels different but it felt good to still continue on and mm-hmm. and you know kind of persevere through the craziness of and you know lockdowns and quarantines and everything so uh, i liked it and overall other than a couple it seemed like a couple players obviously had like some technical issues i think kiki uh was the one that had like she, like had no response because like her internet cut out or something. And, um, or mm-hmm. her, her Kiki Herbert Harrigan, I think <laughs> had a really tough time with that, but, and there was a couple um, of those, but overall I thought it was, it was pretty decent.
4: That was, uh, I feel like now there's so much of a rhythm of everyone kind of knows how to do the, from wherever you are, you know, the, the remote TV show feel, but that was definitely in the early stages of like, even the hosts were, trying to figure basements it out. yeah and, and trying to make things work. And, and it was definitely an interesting time. I will say like, I'm so torn on, I, I get the allure of letting a draftee walk across the stage, shake the hand, hold up the Jersey or the hat or whatever that is. But a, a night full of family on the couch reactions was yeah. awesome.
3: Yeah, you usually don't get that to like, late rounds. And, yeah. you know, in, in yeah. other drafts, you get late rounds, people that weren't invited I to the actual live draft. But, yeah. Loved it. I, yeah. That was so much fun to me. That was really cool. Those are those basically my impressions as well. At the time,
2: I was really dissatisfied with how the last round or two, really the last round and a half, really raced by. They just announced, like, four picks at a time. But it was yeah, almost, yeah. it was kind of made up for by all these great, like, you know, at-home moments where we got to know these rookies and, and kind of their home atmospheres. So now that some time has passed, I, I'm not as bothered by how quickly it went. Um, and I just have mostly positive memories from it.
0: Right. All right, guys. Well, let's take those positive memories into our 11 through 15. New season format <laughs> number 11. Uh, number 12, Dangerfield getting Rookie of the Year. Uh, 13 fouls setting the all-time rebound record. Uh, number 14, uh getting an averaging ten assists per game. Uh actually better than that. But uh and then number fifteen, Aces getting the one seed over the storm. Uh obviously the storm without Seattle in the game right before the playoffs. Uh lots of things going mm-hmm. on there. Uh kick it over to you guys. Uh first reactions looking at these five items.
3: Uh, this this is where the individual performances really I feel like fell strong. Um I'm I'm assuming we're gonna have a one or two uh, maybe three, like, more, like, individual things come, come out, but Dangerfield, Fouls, and Sloot all, uh, breaking records in different ways. Dangerfield being the lowest selected rookie to ever win rookie of the year. Um, I think prior to that, it was the lowest had been seven. Mm-hmm. Nobody had ever gone into the second round and Dangerfield was, uh, either 14 or 16. I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering that off the top of my head. Um, but that's, it was phenomenal. That was a really cool moment. Fouls, you know, having a career long type, uh, record breaking moment with all time rebounds, uh, passing former teammate Rebecca Brunson um, and what was really cool is, it was Brunson was able to be there in attendance to kind of you know pass that torch and and, and give her that um, recognition there and then yeah Courtney Vandersloot going 10 assists per game is absolutely bonkers I think she has I think four of the top five um, assists per game averages uh, across a season in WNBA history um, I may have to check that I know at least three of the top five and I think the top two uh, alone hers and so the first person to ever do that um to ever average double assists per game um so i think those three going 12 13 14 is kind of fitting because they all felt kind of a, a similar vibe but in different ways
5: I,
4: I i'm curious what you guys think about this slutes assist uh, pace has has kicked up immensely over the last two seasons. Like it's just really picked up steam. I don't know that it's possible that she would catch bird, especially because birds number is still going up. But right now there's high potential for me to see Courtney potential, probably at least in the top two. I could see her in the top three, top two assists all time. Yeah. If she keeps at the pace, she's going.
3: Oh, absolutely. Uh, And I think it's just going to come down to longevity. Does she play in the game as long as some of these other players on that list?
4: she may have to change up her playing style a little bit. Uh, she plays a bit more high-octane than, than Sue does in that she's very much a head-first runner, and uh, that could take a toll on a player. But she's also a, a healthy, capable player that doesn't have a huge injury history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I yeah, I mean, I've I've had a lot of fun. Obviously, VanderSloot's been that sneaky... Uh, MVP consideration player every season for the yeah. last couple of years. Yeah, the last two uh, seasons, yeah. especially,
3: I think she came in like second or, well, she came in third, I think, the last two seasons in, in votes. Yeah. And so it's, I, I think, um, obviously, I, you know, I loved that. Oh, we're all
4: passing nerds. So that's a part of it too. Yeah. <laughs> I do have to say really quick, I feel like I am the weird outlier when it came to the season format announcement because that mm. was like one or one or two on my list. That was yeah, one I of noticed my top that. selections. Yeah. And to me, it's because I really thought that moment was monumental. Because up to that point, we had no idea if anything was going to happen, period. And then we went from that to, we're going to be at the single location. There are going to be three games a day for two months straight. Like, it was this crazy we went from like zero to 60 so fast. Like there was this insane, uh, and maybe because for me, it was an emotional experience because I, for those who listen to the show long-standing and have been a part and listen to the program for a long time, I more or less sat out the season because I, at the time was really torn on whether or not the season should happen. So for me, it was a very, memorable time because it was very emotional for me. I had a really hard time coming to grips with it. So right. maybe that's part of it, but it really felt big to me. Uh, and I was really intrigued that based on where I selected it, that it fell to 11, but
3: boys, I boys. think, I think going back and looking at the, like the impact, it's probably a lot higher than 11 as far as impact on what happened To the WNBA this season. I think that, yeah, it it probably is a top two or three at minimum. Um, I'd agree with that. Um, I almost forget about that announcement because of everything else, you know, surrounding it. And I think that's maybe why it fell so far was because, you know, I had all these other things and then I feel like I was, I was filling it out. I believe, I think I might have put this like somewhere in the 15 to 20 range. Um, because of all these other things that, you know, I was really excited about. Um, but, you know, as far as impact goes, it probably was, yeah, in a top, top two or three, um, position there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it came down to, I feel like the new season format was important in its time, but like looking back on it, it doesn't have the same weight as some of the other stuff that I ranked higher. Um, obviously as we get to these, you're going to see, there's a lot of things that, aren't just things that happened that affected this year but are things that are going to affect multiple years uh, we're talking contracts we're talking um life-changing events stuff like that and so um for me I, I i tried to see like is it still affecting me and i had a big reaction to the season format when it happened but looking back on it it just doesn't feel as big i think i had it in like the mid-teens there about which is part yeah. of you know dropping down but
4: See, and I, I wonder, I really just feel like that's another recency one for me where I feel like I think we've just lost what that day was like uh, because it was a it was a very, you know, and so when I think of top 20s, I very much, you know, I overlooked a couple things that probably are obvious because to me it was like that was a moment. And also to me, it just felt like it was the thing that encapsulated the whole year quite a lot. Yeah. Uh was uh the the announcement of basically basically it was announcing the wobble which kind of became the centrifuge term for the year so I uh, I just probably saw it differently. I will say uh you know my last thought on all of this cuz I, I think we could go these it's interesting how long we could go on the mid-level <laughs> picks but Yeah. <laughs> um it I don't think we appreciated at the time, and we don't appreciate now that a Liz cambage Liz Aces team was the number one seed in the playoffs. Yeah, Agreed. when you look back at it, it's pretty insane that, that that's how well they performed. And Liz they were going to perform well regardless,
3: but yeah, well, and a hurt Kelsey Plum. You know, they were missing yeah. two yeah. two of their starters were gone, and they still locked down a number one seed. Um, and and we understand that. Uh, yeah, they beat the storm twice. And in one of those, the storm kind of just sat out and just said, Hey, we're going to get some extra rest for the playoffs coming up. Um, and that's totally fine. And that, I don't think that I don't think that fact like minimizes the aces one seed at all because yeah. it still was so impressive that they were even in the range to get the number one seed. Like it wasn't just the fact that they had to beat the storm twice, but they had to win on a lot of other nights. As well, without Kelsey Plum, without Liz Cambage, and I mean that's it. It was an impressive season overall from the Aces, and I'm I have a sneaking suspicion that this isn't the last that we'll be talking about the <laughs> Las Vegas Aces on this list. Yeah, yeah it's a very particular take what, I'm holding off on what yeah. what
2: <laughs> reaching that one seed represents to me is exactly what you said. Like we can look back on the Storm as a dominant team this season and deservedly so. Um, but the fact that, it, you know, those top two spots are so important for the, the instant route to the semifinals in the, the way that the playoffs are structured in the WNBA that they, they and the Sparks were close enough that they still like could have overtaken, uh, the storm down to like the last week of the season. Um, and yeah. they battled all season to try and get, you know, they wanted that for, you know, without Cam and Plum, they wanted to get their coach, coach of the year. They wanted the one seat. They wanted the respective of having an Asia Wilson team be the team to beat. Um, and so for, for this, uh, for me, this just represents the aces making the playoffs interesting in a year where it still ultimately went to the team. We all kind of thought was going to be the, the champion by the end of it. Um, and it it could have very easily just been Seattle blows everyone out of the water and you know, what good is analysis in that case? So
0: for sure. All right. So with that, um, uh, we kind of covered all those. I think it's about time we jump into the top 10. Uh, number 10, uh, Maya Moore and her off-court activism. Number 9, Sabrina uh, being the first pick of the draft and all of the hype that went with Sabrina coming into the season. Uh, number 8, Instagram Live Night. Uh, I know we've got a lot of takes on that. Oh, uh, God, number, seven, yeah. number 7, AJ <laughs> Wilson winning MVP. And number 6, Orange Hoodie oh, Mania. Uh, I, I know... Oh, I, we had two orange hoodie, or at least orange hoodie style shirts on there, but uh, Kyle, you're still repping the orange hoodies. Uh, guys, 6-10, uh, first yeah. thoughts.
4: I I feel like I'm starting all these, and I'm sorry. I just gotta say really quick, I had IG Live in my top four because this listing doesn't name a single player involved, and we know everyone, most everyone should know exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. The the DT Super Magrupino. Like Penny, Penny Taylor, Taylor yeah. IG Live is um, the greatest four minutes, four hours of video in, in Internet history, <laughs> Internet history. Like, it's better than the Numa Numa dance. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Throwback. Yeah, Ugh. it was I, 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 I. I, I I can think of everything I was doing during that whole time. Cause I did like nine things during that. You know, I remember eating dinner and I remember folding laundry and I remember running on the elliptical and I remember like, you know, doing all my pandemic stuff and I could not, you got to realize something. And this might be another overshare. Like I have very chronic ADHD and that's not me doing the joking. I have clinical ADHD. And so getting me to internalize every last detail, (laughs)
2: of four hours of stream is pretty darn impressive, but I you could not take your eyes off of it. I really like this collection of uh, like this bundle of five things, because to me, these represent like the best the WNBA brand has to offer. Right. So Instagram live night and orange hoodie mania, like just yeah. kind of getting the word out and letting, <laughs> letting players be yeah. personalities. They really um, speak to the WNBA culture. Yeah. And I, I also think like the, the infusion of talent coming into the league, Wilson winning the MVP, Sabrina, you know, basically being the biggest college star we've seen in some years going to a, a market like New York, which is in complete rebuild mode around her and totally like a hundred percent bought in on making that like a Sabrina championship team in, in a couple of years. Um, and then the Maya Moore, uh, activism. I want to say saga, but in like a, with, with like a positive connotation, like it's been going on for some time. She stepped away from the game. It kind of came to its fruition this year. Um, those all, all five of those things really indicate to me, like the good of being into this league, um, in a lot of different ways, like the, the marketing aspect and the personality aspect and then like the advancement of the talent that's on the floor. Um, yeah. and it, it's just a cool, like when we always get together and talk about how great it is to be a fan of this league, This is a really good snapshot of what we mean.
0: I I agree. Yeah. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, you'll notice that I didn't do like Maya Moore activism. I did like activist because I feel like part of the story was us realizing that this wasn't just like a pet project that she had. She wanted to work on like we really saw like deep down like, okay, this is the new Maya Moore like we may not see her play basketball again. And this it, it was almost like a redefinition of her. Um, but in a very positive light, like she did a lot of great things. And, you know, um, yeah. I can't remember the guy's name right now anyways, but like she Jonathan did great Irons. things this year. Yeah, exactly. Jonathan yeah. But it's like, yeah. she did great things this year and I have a whole new respect for her and I see her in a different light than I saw her in previous years. And I feel like that transformation was yeah. really fun to watch.
4: It, it, it's really surprising that it barely scratched the top 10, but it really was, It's one almost the story of like, if there's any single WNBA thing I'd like any general lay person to walk away with, it might be that because it was, um, the the inspiration behind it. And on top of being an iconoclast and an inspiration and something that more people, you know, is not lauded near enough, she was also, she also ended up living a Hallmark movie. Like, (laughs) uh, this, like had this cool opportunity, you know, just amazing opportunity that suddenly, you know, they're, they're married and it's this, there's so much about that story that was storybook and, and special. And, you know, we had a full podcast dedicated basically to the fact that she wasn't even getting the near enough attention she deserved at the time. Yeah. On the same note though. The orange hoodie situation. <laughs> it's so important. It's so important to note how extremely well this tactic worked because I I have the or, the orange hoodie version of a long sleeve T shirt and it's already it's 100% con, so it's already shrunk too much so I don't wear it enough I still need to get the full on hoodie myself but I have that and I've people have recognized it that said I have talked to uh, multiple people, I'd say close to a dozen different people between work, between like side conversations, if I'm like at the store or like extended family or something like that, where I've talked to people about this podcast because it's pretty much my life is, you know, my wife, my child, and then this podcast is pretty much my life at this point. And I've had multiple people, this exact exchange happens. Like, so what's your pot about? It's like, oh, we covered the WNBA women's sports. Oh, the WNBA. I got to get one of those hoodies. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that nearly a dozen times from different yeah. people. Like, from people who don't have a full-on connection to the WNBA. It, that's insane. Yeah. Like, how high up that is. It, it I, like, the, the, the level of effectiveness, maybe this is because I spent a good time working in the world of marketing and, you spend so much time strategizing these ideas and you think you've got a home run marketing strategy and it falls flat. The level to which this worked was just like, I was tickled by it. It was a lot of fun to watch. There's
2: there's something I I wanted to add this specifically for for you, Steve, because we've talked a lot about this in the past year, but there's something uh, like really beautiful about the fact that I think what popularized the orange hoodie initially was the fact that Kobe Bryant was spotted wearing it courtside. Right. And the yeah. fact that like the fact that we lost Kobe Bryant, like one of the the things that we talked a lot about um was that he was such an ally of women's sports, and it sucks that we don't get to see what he was going to be able to do for the growing league. Yeah. And in a way, this is sort of maybe this is reading too much into this, but I really believe this is like the continuation of like that effort that he put into like legitimizing the league in the eyes of a lot of NBA fans. Um and the Orange Hoodie represents that to me. And so when I see my guy Damien Lillard wearing it, and I and I walk into you know a room with my my other sports buddies, and they they say the same thing. They're like, ah, it looks comfy. I want to get one. Like it it makes me <laughs> happy that his efforts are are kind of blossoming um, even after his passing, and I just think that's nice.
4: Yeah, I, it was that was his last. Well, and I, I have a sinking feeling we'll we'll hit on Kobe again soon. but like that was his and Gigi's last trip to the Staples Center, and so because of it that moment carries a lot of weight and you see that a lot. And when Lakers uh, Twitter shares tributes and stuff, they often show that moment. And it's always been special to me looking back on it, that there's that artifact to show uh, let's not forget how important this resonated with him and how it should resonate with a lot of people. And then just everything from the marketing campaign. Cause I made an interesting comment when that happened, which was like, it was almost comforting seeing someone like Kobe Bryant, who's one of the peak athletes of our lifetime. And even he looks how people look at a hoodie. <laughs> yeah. And that was comforting. But then like, I remember seeing like the walk-in shot of LeBron James and being like, nah, never mind. Le- like people can <laughs> still, still cool. look boss in a hoodie. And then every, you know, obviously so many WNBA players found ways to make it stylish. And I was like, never mind. Some people do look good in hoodies. I'm just screwed. Um, but it, yeah, I was absolutely amazed. And by the way, you do know that. It also kicked off because Barstool did a, a parody version of it. So that's how you know because Barstool <laughs> makes most of
3: their money off ripping off successful ventures.
4: So, so that's not
3: you know. Where- I, I don't have anything, I guess, to add to what you guys have covered on, on uh, those five topics. Um, I'll, I'll just say this. Uh, on the Orange Hoodie thing, what was it, a week ago or two weeks ago uh, that we were together? Was that just last week? I don't um, don't time is nothing. But we were to get we were together uh <laughs> out to dinner together and I was wearing my orange hoodie and I had to use the restroom and I walked kind of through the restaurant to use the restroom and on my way um I noticed there was a few uh there, or there was a couple um probably high school age but pretty tall girls that were sitting with their family and as I walked past with my orange hoodie on uh, I noticed them kind of nudge each other and then nudge their dad or whoever it was, uncle or somebody and point at my hoodie. And I kind of noticed and I looked over at him and they kind of were pointing at my hoodie and then smiled. And I just gave them a thumbs up and like, without having to say a word, it was just this connection uh, that we had. So I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, you guys, I'll, I'll just say ditto to everything you guys said about the rest of the list. So yeah.
4: I do. I Yeah. I do have to say that dinner was masked, socially distanced. (laughs) We watched them clean our space. We only did it because Jason's in town and he's never in town. (laughs) We're we're responsible, we promise.
0: (laughs) All right, disclaimer's out of the way. Uh, Let's jump into the top five. So we're going to do these a little differently. Uh, Rather than announcing a a, a batch of five at a time, uh, we're going to take our time, uh, spend a few minutes with each of these Uh, And I've also got kind of audio-video clips to to roll in at the front. Uh, So uh, technology working with us, fingers crossed. uh, Hopefully this works. We'll, uh, We'll go into number five right now.
2: The smiles. You
0: can see them
2: through the masks. Utter and complete domination
4: in a year we will never forget.
0: uh obviously storm winning a title uh championship it of course it ends up in the top 5 uh w- you guys uh what do you remember what are your thoughts about the the storm winning the championship this year it's crazy that this is number 5 like the actual like <laughs>
3: title the title game of this is just number 5 you know that that kind of shows that there's quite a bit to this season in addition to the fact that we had a return of the Seattle storm um, back to the top of the league from where they were in 2018. Um, It was a, it was a blast of a season. I, I will say, I think that this may have ended up higher if they were like a Cinderella team. Definitely. This was the, yeah. this was the, the team the- everyone anticipated would win. And if you look at that final score, 92 to 59 <laughs> in game three to sweep yeah. the, yeah. the number was, one seed aces. Like it was, was, it, it was, was a, a weird, yeah.
4: it was a super <laughs> weird year for basketball in that every championship was won by just like a shellacking. Yeah. Uh, and it was, I, I almost, I, at one point, had this, like, at seven and had to intentionally put it higher because, like, it, it was so inevitable, I almost forgot about it. <laughs> uh, the detail and – that is that is me watering down the Storm winning their fourth championship, and that's dumb of me because it was a huge accolade and it was well-deserved <laughs> and they're a phenomenal team and they played great basketball. But that's all to say that – Weirdly, the detail that I remember most about it, because at the time, Mike and I were covering a lot of NWSL stuff, it was post-Challenge Cup, was the fact that Megan Rapinoe was there watching the finals, (laughs) but not playing soccer. Uh, And so a lot of people were like, what's this all about? And I, that's weirdly the thing that I remember the most, outside of the fact that it was a really good finals. Like, there were competitive games or competitive matchups. The Storms were a Team of Destiny, and then they decided to just hit the NOS button uh, to clinch it and won by 33 to win the title.
3: It, it was this weird experience where it just felt like, well, this was going to happen, so here you go. Anytime we say hit the NOS button, that's a cue for Logan to then... Too Stephanie. soon, yeah, take it away. Junior. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> I, I had this the highest of any of us.
2: I had this at number three. Um, I, I understand though, why, like, the story of the storm winning the title very quickly moved past they just won the 2020 title in the bubble and it became how dominant is this team? Do they have more championships ahead of them? How is Sue going to retire? Like, it kind of branched into all these other stories because it, it kind of gave us the go ahead to be like, all right. So the storm did what we all thought they were gonna do, what next? And it moved us into that before we really got to like soak in the performance that they just uh showed on the floor. I it's it's like uh I mean, my favorite Super Bowl is when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl a couple years ago in twenty thirteen. It's everyone else's least favorite Super Bowl because it was over by like the end of the first quarter. And it this game had kind of a similar vibe where you know, the Aces, bless their hearts, <laughs> you know, they they took some shots at, at Seattle in in the series, but not in this game. This game was Seattle start to finish. Um And so there was nothing really to dwell on. Like there wasn't like a big shot or a big moment in the game where you really like, oh, that was the moment, like the clinching moment, like the whole night. You were just kind of celebrating what the storm had accomplished. Um And by the time the buzzer went zeros, it like I said, it was just like, all right, so what next? So. Definitely deserves to be in the top five. I understand if it's not necessarily the most, like, we, we titled this the best 20 of 2020. I don't know if it's the best 20 events, the best 20 memories, the best 20 moments. That's sort of up to interpretation. Um, but in terms of like what's going to stand out to me about this season moving forward, it's certainly one of a handful yeah. of things, but it's not the number one thing.
4: Yeah. I will say. In most years, even with how the finals went down, in most years it would have been one, maybe two. Just not this year. I think I, having an idea what the top four picks are, it's pretty understandable why they are what they are. And and, and that just speaks to what a bonkers experience we had in 2020. Because I feel like if you go to 2019, 18, 17, when you go back most years, even with that inevitability and whatnot, this probably is still one of at least the top two selections. And that's what makes this all the more interesting.
0: All right. Well, uh, with that, let's transition. And number four is the return of Stewie.
5: Brandon Stewart had a couple goals coming into the season. One of them was to be the MVP, and she has achieved that.
0: 2018
1: was great.
5: The Seattle Storm, you're 28.
4: Champions.
1: I was, you know, at my highest high. I'm just, like, in a great place. And I went to my lowest low in, like, a split second.
5: Oh, with uh, Stewart. Looks like she has turned her ankle or maybe done something worse. Seattle will be without Brianna
4: Stewart the entire season after
5: she tore her
1: Achilles the mental aspect was the hardest because it's like is my leg gonna work the same am I gonna be able to do uh what I normally do and then as rehab progresses and you kind of see glimpses of yourself coming back I'm like okay I can do this and it really just puts perspective on things for 12 weeks I couldn't even stand on two feet people were like I bet you you're you you can not wait to get back out in the court I was like honestly I can't wait to walk Coming back, I have a different perspective on basketball and a different appreciation for the game.
5: She has really upped wow. her game. She's way better than she was before injured. What a task
2: to get it to up for three! Just an outstanding delivery
4: from
1: Brianna Stewart. She has become stronger. She has become quicker, and she is the engine behind the team it just shows a lot of toughness that our team has to kind of close out a series like this never easy and we managed to do that and continue to get better each game your support for your teammates and your enthusiasm we're
5: all together in this guys. so i want to give you guys some appreciation grateful
1: to be here grateful to be able to be back playing at a high level and you know just happy to be able to be with with my team i'm excited for what we've done and what we still have to do in the future
0: All right, guys. What'd you think? Uh, All right, come
3: it, on, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so good. It's so good. She's <laughs> it, in my opinion. She is the best player in women's basketball right now to see what she did coming back from an injury that in a lot of instances, you know, could if not end a career severely hamper someone for the remainder of their career and she came back and, and I think what we, uh, it, it did a decent job of showing, but maybe I wanted to see a little more of is just showing how absolutely dominant she was coming back. Like she hadn't missed a beat. She came in. It mm-hmm. seemed better than she was in 2018. And that just that yeah. alone is so impressive that she rehabbed, yeah. worked so hard, came back and then it didn't seem to hamper her at all. Loved it. Yeah, you, uh, you
4: kind of called my thought, which was, you, you know, you said best ones player. I think Brianna Stewart is pound for pound, the most complete basketball player in the world, regardless of gender. Uh, and this proved it. Um, this also has a little bit of recency to it as well, because we've been watching Kevin Durant come back from a similar injury and playing extremely well. And the immediate response to everyone is, this is the best comeback from this injury we've ever seen in any sport. And I'm like, MVP, like technically not an, M- you know, cause, cause, uh, you know, example, Wilson got the MVP yeah. deservedly won the MVP, but I'm like finals MVP. <laughs> played like, the um, MV- yeah. Played MVP yeah, level for yeah, sure. Champion finals MVP. And she was, um, dominant in every single aspect of the game. And, you know, it, it's so funny because that MVP discussion was really tight for me. Right. And I felt like Wilson deserved it but there were a lot of people who really strongly felt Stewie's case and I did too. And the immediate response to that was like, yeah, but like, you know, it's, I don't know what the difficulty there because of her team, you know, does she deserve it? Cause you know, and I'm like, yeah, because her foot blew up <laughs> <laughs> and then she came back and it looks like she hasn't missed a beat. Like, come on. Yeah. Uh I, th- It was so much fun.
2: I just, yeah. I hope this isn't uh, anything that everyone just like, knows and understands already but it's so interesting to look at like the context of this injury especially in the past like we're, we're to a point in 2021 where if a player blows the na- like an acl we all know it sucks and it's going to take a long recovery but we're not already talking about like is their career over and the yeah. achilles injury really is i mean it's the last thing you want to hear when you go back to the training table and the game is going on outside and your trainer tells you like that's what it is like you popped your achilles it's like you can't walk, you can't do anything. It's gonna be a year oh. before you're even mobile, and to go from that, like it would be plenty impressive if Bree Stewart returned this year to the court in the WNBA and won Comeback Player of the Year and put up, you know, seventy percent Bree Stewart numbers. We would have all been like hero. Like <laughs> <laughs> instead, she came out and I'm not going to say she deserved it over Asia Wilson, but we had a a long, we had an entire episode on who Mm -hmm. deserves the MVP. And I did argue for an hour plus that Brie Stewart was that player. So the the argument was there. She came out and put up an MVP performance um, and, and won a finals with a team that I, I know her pieces around her are very good, but she is the centerpiece. She is the focal point of that team. Um, So I, I don't know. Maybe everybody already knows that. And I'm just like talking up my butt. But, you know, the Achilles injury (laughs) isn't one where you just come back and do that. Usually the discussion is like, you know, she'll she'll still be great. She'll still be an all star if she's like 80 percent of what she was. And instead, it looks like the best is yet to come for Stewie. Like she hasn't reached the apex of her prime yet. She's the injuries behind her. She's overseas now just waking up to what's going on in this country right now um, and tweeting about it. (laughs) And I, you know, I'm so excited to see the reason that there's optimism for like a storm dynasty after this championship win is because of her and showing that she was healthy this year.
4: Yeah, I, I'm not sure what else to say other than that. It just, it was it it, it, it uh, in a year so stripped of warm fuzzies. That was a really <laughs> nice warm fuzzy yeah. to see Stewie get her shot and, and that it worked as well as it did. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, let's move on to number three. Uh, so, yeah, so we're looking at the new CBA, the new C, uh, collective bargaining agreement as number three.
5: I think this collective bargaining agreement really drives a player-first agenda. And you see from so many of the provisions of this agreement how invested we are in making these players feel like they are professional athletes. And it's so great to have change makers from companies like AT&T, Deloitte, and Nike.
1: We're really excited that we've made huge strides so that we can create a league, a business that keeps the top talent in the world here. We also understand that a lot of the components of this agreement won't directly affect us in the long term. So we really wanted to ensure that this agreement was for the players today, the players tomorrow and the players to come. I think we really tried to lay the groundwork knowing that, you know, we're standing on the shoulders of the women who came before us. And we really want to be that next stage for the women that come after
0: us. Uh, Okay, guys, uh, new CBA, what are your thoughts?
3: Dope. (laughs) (laughs) This, I I think as far as a long-term effect of the WNBA, this probably, this might be the number one spot as far as long-term effect of the, and I say might because there are some other contenders that, I think identity wise and, and whatnot are going to help the, the league. But this alone was huge. Just getting a lot better, um, a lot better structure as far as pay, as far as compensation goes, as far as opportunities for players and growth of the league. This was groundbreaking. This is huge. This was a major investment into the players. And I think was a huge step in the right direction in maybe, maybe one day eliminating the need to go overseas and instead having that just be an option, you know, to go over for a little bit, but that this would be the primary source of income for WNBA players is their WNBA salary. So yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about it. And just, I I I just, this was a huge win. This was a huge W for the W is is basically what I'm saying.
2: no, We, we talk a lot about, Um, we talk a lot about legitimizing the league, like this helps legitimize the league, the orange hoodie marketing, um, you know, getting, getting players, personalities out there. This really legislates like the, the cooperation between what, what the owners and, and powers that be expect where, you know, the league to go, where the direction they're trying to take it in and the, the players agreeing that that is the direction that they want to go. Many leagues do not get to this point. Um, we were talking about the XFL at the beginning of the show. The, the XFL has never made it to a, a CBA. Many, uh, particularly women's leagues, do not get to this point. Jason and I are going to uh, talk a lot about kind of the lack of agreement between women's hockey players in the country and and their organizations that are trying to put together kind of a legitimate professional league. So uh, this is a huge, mm. huge stepping stone, um, and and it will be if of all the things that we look back on in retrospect in a decade or now, uh, it it might not be the most memorable, like, Oh, I remember the day the CBA was announced. Like it might not be that, but we're going to see the fruits of this for years to come, maybe more than anything else that happened this year.
4: No, I have a weirdly unique take on this because I, everything you guys said is correct and valid. And I think we should be rewarding everything that led to the CBA. Thinking back on the announcement of the CBA is almost sad to me because that it was the last full-on momentum hopeful moment we had Mm. before everything happened. Uh, The CBA, I believe, was tentatively announced on the 14th. I remember reading an article on High Post on the 25th um, about the CBA, and it broke it down really well. And I remember being excited Not just for the league, you know, for the league, but also like for us as a pod, because there was just so much energy coming into the league, and we we talk so much, you know, we're coming out of free agency, we're coming into all this. There's all this energy that's leading to what a huge year this was going to be, and we're going to talk about what happened literally the day after the 25th, and how that kicked off all of this stuff, and then we roll into a pandemic, and then we roll into this civil unrest, and all of the weight of what became hashtag 2020 happened. And so for some reason, it's a fond memory that almost makes me sad because it was the last purely fond memory because everything else was like a hopeful memory of being a good thing in the midst of all the bad stuff. This was like almost the last innocent moment of the year mm-hmm. <laughs> of so just like, this is purely cool. And it's a, I don't know if that's a weird take to have, uh, but yeah, It was,
3: it's so the true. The year was
4: two weeks old. I mean, it was this weird thing of, like, I remember that discussion. Like, we were all having that. I remember getting just, like, I would get random texts during the day from Logan that are, like, this is random, but just, like, I'm so stoked about the W this year. <laughs> which is Like, he's just, like, the CBA is awesome, and we've got all this stuff happening. And there was just – everything felt like there was going to be this momentous, like – snowball that was going to be rolling and and so much good came out of the year regardless which speaks to the strength of the league um, but it almost reminds you of what 2020 could have been the luck of this new CBA is that it lasts beyond 2020 and so its effect as you guys had pointed out will continue to, to pay out which is great and I think the potential that we could have seen in 2020 we will eventually see very soon mm.
3: yeah I hope so <laughs> I, I sure hell I, better. Yeah, I, I think that you're you're right. The momentum was a huge thing, and lots of excitement, and then everything changed. But the the potential's still there. We just got to get uh, we got to get a little recharge going. So
0: all right. And speaking of everything changing, uh, we're going to stay in January with one of the events that really defined the beginning of this year. We're going to transition into our number two moment of 2020. This is not going to be fun. I agree. Kobe and Gigi's passing.
2: Women's basketball's biggest ally was Kobe Bryant.
0: Potentially the greatest ally that that this sport could ever ever hope for.
1: He was the one that was providing legitimacy to our game. Other people didn't see that. He was changing that narrative. I would say the most important imprint he's left is just having us feel equal. I mean, he believed in women's sports. All
0: right, uh, so we're back from that. Uh... I kept that montage short. The montage that uh, originally was found, actually my wife originally found it, she was helping me look for clips, uh, was several minutes longer and I couldn't make it through. So I just took the beginning of it. I think you guys will understand on that. But um, Kobe Bryant was the ambassador for the league in a lot of ways and his daughter was a future star of the league and, and people saw that coming and, and there was hype. I mean, she, she was so young and there was still hype about her and, and one day being in the league and that was her goals and stuff. Um, obviously, I, I think everyone who, who listens to our show is aware of, of what happened in the tragic uh, helicopter accident. Um, tell me, what are your guys' memories and feelings of that time, and especially as it related to, to the W?
4: I'm obvious. I'm going to try to keep comments directly connected to Kobe and Gigi and the WNBA. Because if I don't, I could easily go for a long time. I, anyone who's listened to the pod for twenty seconds knows what this whole thing did to me and did to my year. You guys rec- probably can recall how I commonly referred to Kobe Bryant, talking about him over the years. I often called him future WNBA commissioner Kobe Bryant. Like that was that was how I saw it in my head. And I still believe that would have been the case. There's a Kathy Engelbert had a really sweet story where, when she was uh, a, when she was appointed as commissioner, she reached out to the NBA. She reached out to other dignitaries and said, "I have an open door. I would love to talk to any of you about your connection with the W." And she said, literally, one person took me up on that offer, and it was Kobe Bryant, and he sat down. And he didn't stop talking about the league for the better part of an hour. Mm. He just, he knew every player. He knew every intricacy, He knew every detail. There was this energy. There was this feeling. There was this excitement. There was, you know, this weird frustration of like, I don't know why people don't get it. And and obviously that translated to what he did with Gigi and everything that uh, you saw there and how much fun it was to watch that. And like I said, on the 25th of January last year, I remember reading about the CBA and there was all this energy. And then by 10 AM the next day, uh, this broke and I could go for a long time about the effect that Kobe Bryant had on me as a child and then as a preteen and, and the frustrations of, uh, you know, someone that I, I looked up to, uh, in the sexual assault court case and, and you know, well, Paul that was and watching that rebuilt and resurgence. But my memory of Kobe Bryant forever is going to be Kobe, the father, mm. Kobe, the girl dad. Yeah. That's what I can't get out of my head. And I, I don't know if I've, I've said this, I think once on Twitter, but my wife and I are expecting our second child. We just found out it's a girl. Um, and literally the first thing that came out of my mouth when we walked out of the doctor's office was I'm going to be a girl dad. And I was so excited. And honestly, it was, there were two reasons that I was excited and I'm going to keep myself together because I got to watch Kyle with his girls and I got to watch Kobe with his girls. And I was like, I love my boy so much. I want to know what it's like to have a girl. And it was such a sweet and special moment. And he nurtured that with Gigi and with all of his daughters. But then to watch that respect and expectation he had with WNBA players, up and down. When you think about his memorial in February, all the individuals that could have been on that agenda because we heard from Michael Jordan and we heard from Shaq and we heard from a lot of, you know, those dignitary type of people. We could have heard from Phil Jackson. We could have heard from Pau Gasol and we could have heard from LeBron James. Like there were so many people connected to Kobe that we could have heard from. But within that first hour, uh, a good 40 minutes of that agenda was hearing from Diana Taurasi, Gino Ariyama and Sabrina Ionescu, And there was this weird experience where I was emotionally crushed and sobbing, but I had this strange swelling of pride to, to get to see women's basketball on this stage. Because I think a lot of people got to see that's that it really was just that important to him. And maybe it should be important to us too. I'm going to stop now because I have like nine more things I want to say, and I don't want to turn this into Steve talking about it. I, I, there's no way for me to do this smoothly. So I'm just cutting myself <laughs> off, but, um, uh, uh, yeah, this is obviously one of those things that I wish this didn't have to be a memory, but yeah, I mean, it's,
2: it is what it is. Yeah. I'll, I'll jump in with just one thing. And that's that this was maybe the first time in a lot of people's eyes that both men's and women's basketball got to be equal partners in just being professional basketball. Um, because mourning Kobe and Gigi's death was equally like, Tragic and equally impactful on both of those ends. Both, both the men's and women's game were, were so affected by it. And for a lot of people, I know I remember seeing comments on Twitter and Reddit and places that are not exactly havens of, you know, friendly opinions about women's athletes and, and it were women's sports and then female athletes. And I remember seeing comments to the effect of it was, if it was good enough for Kobe and Gigi, I'll give it a shot. And, and it was like, that's, if if that's the entry point for, for fans, like it, it's, it's a tragedy, but it's nice at least that something came out of it that made people realize like this has mattered to him and like it mattered to her. And it was the thing they bonded over. And we all know how effective, like affected Kobe's death was like on the players in the NBA. We saw like their emotions come out like on mass. Like they, they didn't play that night. It was such a, such a widespread thing. Like he was an icon to so many people. And I think as soon as people realized, like, Oh, he was that for the women's game too. And, and he was coaching Gigi up to be that for the women's game. And we need to respect that. Um, I, I really, I, maybe that was the first time people for, for a lot of people's minds that was like, Oh, it makes sense now. Like the WNBA is just, it's the same. Like it's professional basketball. It's all the same universe. Like they play, (laughs) I know that they technically play with a different ball, but that's literally it. Like that's, it's the only, and by the way, the WNBA one's cooler. Um, but yeah, that's a, I, I think the WNBA's reaction to it also, like we mentioned draft night earlier and, and kind of touched on yeah. this lightly, but the reaction to it was, it wasn't over dramatic. Um, I, I don't think they felt the need to do like an overly grand gesture in, 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 trying to get viewers to be like, Oh, it's the Kobe Memorial tune in. I think it was very classy. Um, and, and yeah. I think all the, the players obviously really appreciated it. I think the the draft night rookies really appreciated it because they, they got to better appreciate the position they were in that they had worked really hard for. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely didn't see this being any less than like three or four on, on the biggest moments of the year because it was such, it sent such shockwaves through the world of basketball but it also kind of joined the NBA and WNBA in that world of basketball. Yeah,
3: yeah. That's um, uh, I. I I'll, I'll just yeah. Ditto to what you guys said. Um, <laughs> Steve brought up the girl dad thing. That was a huge. That was something really big for me, um, and you know, just the the passionate way that he loved his daughters and. You know, someone said, Oh, don't you want a son that, you know, be a professional, you know, so you can coach him up to be a professional ball player. And he's like, why? I've already got one on the, on their way. You know, I've got a daughter that, that's going that way. And it's just, just so many, um, so many elements like that, that, that just made, uh, I think Kobe Bryant, if of anything, uh, this made a impact on my daughter's future and the world that my daughters will get to, to grow up in. And I'll just leave it at that.
0: Obviously, uh, Steve and I both growing up Lakers fans, Kobe was a big part of my childhood and it was interesting to watch as I transitioned into watching the women's game five, six years ago, however long ago it was now, um, seeing him come over too gave so much power and strength to the league. And as painful (laughs) as watching him go was knowing that that's one of the strong parts of his legacy, uh, I, I find a lot of hope in that, in that his legacy is going to point, point people towards equality in sports. It's going to point people towards uh, giving women's athletes the legitimacy that they deserve. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Obviously, there's a lot of emotions associated with this topic. Um, but I, I just wanted to express my gratitude that that a yeah. major part of his legacy is pushing people towards the women's game. Well, we'll move on now to our number one. I know all of us could talk for a lot longer. Uh, if you really want to hear, we we get into a lot more detail. Uh, if you look at some of our episodes from late January, uh, there's definitely a lot there that uh, uh if you guys want to hear more about that. But let's move into our number one item.
5: You are now looking at a live shot in Bradenton. All four teams that are in the arena that were supposed to play tonight are there. Washington, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Minnesota supposed to play at 8. Connecticut and Phoenix scheduled to play at 10. They have not yet arrived and you see them all taking a knee. That is Tiana Hawkins with her little boy Emmanuel in the red shirt. As you see the Mystics wearing the shirts that spell out on the front the name of Jacob Blake and on the back the uh, graphic of bullet holes depicting where Blake was shot by police in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Up until about 10 minutes ago, we thought we were going to have a game that Washington was going to play. Atlanta is scheduled, but the Washington Mystics held out and decided not to play. The other teams have now gone on board and there will be no WNBA games tonight. We expect to see uh, some more symbolism as the evening goes along with all the teams locking arms.
0: All right, uh, activism um, in a lot of ways defined this season. Uh, it's my favorite
4: transition in the history of our podcast.
0: <laughs>
4: activism, activism,
0: but it, in in a lot of ways, it really did because if you watched the games, if you're a fan of the league, obviously it took a front role um, as as it should, and and the players did a great job of of making their voices heard and and saying what they they felt they needed to say. Um, And it also made a splash outside of the league Um, at a time where sports was relatively quiet. um, A lot of outside sources were putting uh, their eyes on the league. Uh, They got some criticism, but much more than the criticism they got, they got a ton of praise for it. So um, a big theme throughout the year and obviously a very important theme Uh, guys uh, activism. Uh, Tell me what your, your reactions are to, or what your (laughs) memories are of that.
4: My, It's happened in 2021, technically. Before we hit record on the podcast, this happened on the live stream. Before we hit record on the podcast, Logan's, I guess you could say, roommate, Tristan, like walked behind him. (laughs) (laughs) And I love this because Tristan's in, in the know guy. He knows the league, but he's not, you know, a heavy follower. And I loved that he looked right at the camera and just, uh, yeah, just yelled, way to go, Atlanta dream. <laughs> and to me, that speaks to it immediately is just like everything that just happened in Georgia. And there are so many people that are legitimately like, Hey, do you guys know about that senatorial election that the WNBA won? Like <laughs> it absolutely is insane. And I mean, numbers wise, I believe Raf, Rafael Warnock was. Trending at like, or was pulling at like 9% or something like that, uh, when their level of support kicked off. And yes, you don't want to give this full credit to the league. So much has happened in the state of Georgia in the last decade that's led to this, but the bump that they gave was, was pretty, um, immense. So obviously that's what's happened in 2021. I'm not even speaking to 2020, but, um, I don't know how you could possibly put anything else on the top of this list. Agreed.
3: It, I think this that felt like the lifeblood of everything that happened this year. It absolutely. I you know, you look at everything that was that was talked about through this league and even the fact that the league play itself obviously was affected by a pandemic and probably more so was affected by players not coming to play in the bubble and instead staying in their home yeah. in their neighborhoods and going and totally. attending uh rallies and protests and bringing attention to something that is bigger than basketball and i thought that right there uh you know there were so many big name players all star level players not coming into the into the bubble Simply for the fact that they felt more passionately about a bigger cause, and uh, that that alone is is huge. Yeah. Steve alluded to this earlier. Um, I saw that Sue Bird was interviewed about uh, you know the the vote for Warnock shirts that the that a lot of league players you know, namely the Atlanta Dream and the Seattle Storm, and then some others. Um, I know that there was a couple uh, Storm players and a couple uh, Mercury players that wanted them. They decided on on supporting him because they well they wanted to initially just speak out against Kelly Loeffler and her uh, her basically uh, you know just knocking down the Black Lives Matter movement and saying that and then being involved with insider trading in regards to you know being. <laughs> basically selling all of her retail stock and then picking up a bunch of medical supply stock after a closed door meeting about COVID. Like all of that just is absolutely insane to me. She owns the Atlanta dream and the Atlanta dream are the ones leading out and saying, all right, Rather than calling her out, because what that will do is bring more name recognition to this her. Is genius, by the way. Yeah. So rather I, this than, this was insane. Yeah. Rather than calling her out and, and doing that, and they didn't mention her name once. They just mentioned an opponent and decided to back, uh, Reverend Warnock, which was incredible move. And yeah, as Steve said, he was pulling at like 9% and then shot up. Everybody started paying attention to him. He, you know, they really, uh, Jack House is saying in the chat right now, it gave Warnock, the Warnock campaign, it gave it legs. And it came forward, totally. ended up forcing a runoff in the state of Georgia that just ended literally in the wee hours of this morning after, after counting votes that WNBA players essentially led a charge and led a campaign from the grassroots that has now flipped the Senate of the United States of America. Yeah,
4: And which, by the way, it helped the Warnock campaign, but it helped the Ossoff campaign almost as much because one of the keys to both of these runoffs winning was that they essentially campaigned as a block. Yeah. I mean, they, they called it like the buddy campaign and it was a, a huge support system that they gave each other. And that doesn't exist if, if we don't push to this yeah. runoff and so obviously Warnock toast you know, pushed to that. It was interesting because I actually saw someone mention that the orange hoodie was the second adopted garment from the WNBA because NBA players started wearing vote Warnock shirts. Yeah. I remember seeing LeBron James wearing one during the playoffs last year. And it was, you know, it, it became an additional narrative. Um, and that's, that's just the, that one election. I mean, the, the level of activism goes so wide. We already talked about my more, you, you know, seeing Liz Cambage standing on top of a trailer, leading a protesting charge in Australia, uh, you know, had its inspiring yep. moments, you know, Natasha Cloud uh, and everything in her pure voice, Renee Montgomery joining the more than a vote, f- you know, craze, the, uh, you know, the health supports as far as, as COVID had looked. The fact that the WNBA put together a social justice council, that became the model for those types of organizations and other leagues.
2: My my thoughts are a little scattered, but I want to make sure I get a few things in. One is that they are, as Steve just barely referenced, they they are the leaders in activism in sports. And and they are acknowledged as such, by the way, by the NBA and and their You know, their, their peers in other, in other leagues. So while the media didn't give them as much credit as they probably deserved, um, it was nice to see that they, they really led the way for this. Um, they absolutely, nobody's telling WNBA players to shut up and dribble. I don't think people even bother because they're like, we know you're not going to. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of Twitter trolls that would dispute that, but, but I just love that it's just a part of their league and it's so ingrained in the league that while other leagues were suffering, ratings dipping and 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 all sorts of problems with like the TV money and the leagues hemorrhaging and being like, what are we gonna do about next year's salary caps? The WNBA, the leaders in activism, saw a spike in viewership. (laughs) (laughs) Like the well, I think one of only two leagues that saw a percent increase in viewership. So kind of disproving anyone who wanted to say, oh well, the NFL and the NBA, they shouldn't have got in bed with Black Lives Matter because now the ratings are hurting. That wasn't it because the WNBA is doing just fine. And I think that is, yeah. that is, that goes beyond just the W that that's a game changer for every league to, to know a league like the NFL, which has not been kind to social issues in years past knows that it is now they, they have financial incentive to be on the right side of history at this point, which they used to not. And that's a pretty incredible yeah. shift. The other thing I wanted to bring up, it's been, it's been said a little bit before, but the situation with the dream is so like, if it wasn't real, it would be such a great, like the replacements major league, like type of movie story because it's,
4: it's, it's legitimately crazy. feels like like a Disney channel, original style
2: movie. yeah Cause you have like this, it, it's, you have this villain and I'm, I'm not trying to get political, but like, let me do this for a second. Like, You have this villain, right, (laughs) who, who literally invests in like body bags before the pandemic news hits America. Like just this criminal who's in charge of this team of activists. And, and like honestly, I think if it's a movie, it's a comedy because it's, it's such a ridiculous situation. And because it's real, they obviously handled it in, in real fashion and did something that means a lot. And, and don't hear what I'm not saying here. I, I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to. Downplay like Stacey Abrams and all of the, the like so many people's exactly. efforts that went into what happened with Georgia, but the fact that it was Georgia that was the linchpin to like this election and and the Senate changing hands. And I I know people probably listen to the show outside of the country on all sorts of different line like lines in the, the political spectrum, but it's just meaningful to me that when we look back at this season we will think the wnba the wobble the activism year and because of that and all the efforts that i just mentioned that i i don't want to you know throw out or anything like the next 4 years of american history will be altered <laughs> like it's because uh, it's they, because they pissed off the atlanta dream <laughs> like
4: <laughs> i feel like this is that classic story that if you walked up to someone with the script they'd say this is too on the nose you need to <laughs>
2: Right. Yeah. It's a little too much. much. Yeah.
0: Let's go ahead and close up because we've been on this for a minute. I'm going to go through and run through the top 20 one more time uh, just as a summary for it. So let me get to that page. Uh, So from number 20 towards number one, we start with the sun pushing the aces to the brink. Opening weekend, the petty buzzer beater. I can't say that. It's like a a tongue (laughs) twister. Uh, Free agency, the 2020 draft. Uh, Number 15, the aces taking the number one seed over the storm. Number 14, Sloot getting 10 assists per game. 13 fouls, all-time rebound uh, leader. Uh, Dangerfield becoming the Rookie of the Year. Number 11, the new season format. Number 10, Maya Moore, the activist. Number 9, Sabrina getting the first pick pick in the draft. Number 8, Instagram Live. Uh, If you know, then you know. Uh, (laughs) Number 7, Wilson getting the MVP. Number 6, Orange Hoodie Mania. Number five, with a storm winning the championship. Number four, the return of Stewie. Uh, obviously, number four, number five kind of intricately connected there. Uh, number three, the new CBA. Number two, uh, the passing of Kobe and Gigi and what it meant to the women's game. And number one, which we've been going on for the last few minutes about, is activism. Uh, guys, uh, I want to get an overall response your your thoughts and feelings of the year 2020 in terms of women's basketball as it stands. And we'll kind of conclude on that.
3: I am extremely grateful that we did this episode tonight on such a, a heavy and serious day in America. This felt nice to go back through some of the more positive and and memorable moments from a year that I think many will regard as, as one of the worst years in history. And, it was nice. It was it was um it was therapeutic to reflect back on each of these moments and to, you know, consider all that happened in just women's basketball in the season despite pandemics, despite social unrest, despite um, you know, everything else that was going on in 2020. Women's basketball is powerful enough to overcome all of that and still be completely and utterly just it just, just engulfs my mind engulfs like my passion and i just i get really excited you know considering everything that that happened on this list uh and i didn't anticipate to enjoy uh recording this as much as i did tonight so jason thank you as far as the back end stuff goes in and, and uh preparing all of this so th- that's my thoughts on it
2: Yep. I can jump in. Mine's super short. I just am glad that they had a season at all. Um, it would have been very easy to not play, uh, very easy to not coordinate the bubble for players to just full time be into the activism scene and, and not worry about basketball, just make their money overseas. And they still played and they gave us all of these moments, um, and plenty more that were on our spreadsheet that didn't make the show. And, you know, I'll always be grateful that. That they were willing to do that when they really didn't have to. <laughs> um, and I, I'm excited for what it means for the league moving forward. Sounds like, you know, we're still trying to figure out this vaccine and pandemic situation out, but the commissioner has big plans for the year ahead. Um, so they're not, they're not shying away from any of the challenges ahead of them. Uh, they're, they're going to continue to grow and I'm, I'm glad we were able to watch it this year.
4: I- so much has already been said that I, I would say I just have one thing that is what I think might actually be the biggest snub from our list. And it's poetic that this actually is a snub because to me, the biggest snub snub from this list is Candace Parker winning defensive player of the year. while also being snubbed from the all defensive team. <laughs> and then that we somehow so stopped ap- her that's so from apropos. our options, uh, which I very much apologize for. And it's also apropos because uh, if you've been getting into W history, part three of Candace Parker's rookie year uh will be commencing within the next couple of weeks. So yes. if you, if you're itching for some more W history, first W history episode of 2021 and the final of the saga with Candace Parker will be kicking off in a few weeks. So stay in tune for that. But that, that all just, I thought that was weirdly. That boring. is, that That's is that extremely
3: a- appropriate actually. <laughs> and almost, <laughs> it seems almost like we would have done that on purpose just for that. <laughs> so that's awesome.
4: I honestly feel bad. I'm worried this will get to her somehow. <laughs> I feel bad. Uh,
3: Jason, you have any last thoughts?
0: Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm just, I'm glad we survived 2020 uh, women's basketball in a year that was so chaotic. Um, and even though the season was odd, I mean, the first time I watched a game, and I could hear their snicker their their snickers their sneakers squeaking, I was like, "Oh, like I feel like I'm watching practice right now like it's a little odd, but having that season gave this year to me a sense of normalcy because um you know uh, when so many other things were going chaotic, I was like, "Hey, basketball, I watch basketball like i i can I can do this and so I appreciate the season that we had um I appreciate the the movements that were made i feel like there were a lot of good directions you know the things we talked about today uh the new cba um you know like logan alluded to hockey right now women's hockey those players are averaging i think about twenty thousand dollars to play and obviously you can't live in manhattan making 20 grand and so like these are battles that other people are fighting and the w making those great steps the WNBA making those great steps um, in, in treating women's athletes as they deserve to be treated, or at least moving in that direction, um, was wonderful to see. So lots of great progress was made despite it being 2020. Uh, and according to an article I read today coming out of uh, Austin, Texas, Texas should have the vaccine uh, available to the general public sometime this spring. So my hopes of going to a Wings game are through the roof right now. So let's make it happen 2021. Don't uh, Don't screw me over here.
3: Yeah, I was going to say I saw Utah was looking like available to the, available to the public in March. And so I'm hoping that that means, you know, that that we'll be able to snag uh, snag some of that and who knows, we might we may just be able to see a live WNBA game this season, which we'll would be come to Texas. Yeah, we'll, come we'll to, fly to we'll Texas. Come to
2: Texas the- We've we've road tripped. We've road we'll, tripped before. We'll, we'll go road trip we'll to, to Texas. We'll swing by that pie place you told us about and we'll watch the Wings <laughs> out for a whole week. I just
4: Yes, really. Uh, 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 I don't know if you guys Listen, we've done the road trip thing To Phoenix into Seattle I don't know if you've ever driven through Texas (laughs) I don't know that you could call it a road trip We will fly if we can (laughs) That's how we will be traveling If that's the trip we end up making
0: I like it Uh, Somewhere in southern Colorado It turns into New Mexico And from there till Dallas Is just mind-numbingly painful (laughs) of a drive
4: It's unreal how long you drive through Texas before you're not driving in Texas. It's-
0: <laughs> but um, hashtag WNBA uh, air trip, I guess. We'll, we'll, there we, we go. go. We'll oh, run that. Yeah. But- air yeah, we'll, trip. We'll-
4: <laughs> there's a runway's of road. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make I'm it gonna, work somehow. There's some driving
2: involved. I'm going to call our shot now. Oh. This is going to turn into we're all going to do this trip. And then Jenny's going to go into labor while we're in Texas. And it's going to be <laughs> like, can we get um, back in 24 hours? <laughs> it's just a, another if I,
4: version of plane trains, and automobiles. Yep. <laughs> if I opted to randomly fly to Texas to watch basketball that close to our due date, I actually don't know if I'd be welcome back. <laughs> so. I love it. Probably. I would hope not. But. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's, it there's, there's a lot obviously to be untold with what 2021 will look like. I do have to make one less 2020 call before we call it because someone hit it when they, uh, I think it was Jason, when you talked about when all this kicked off in the bubble and what that was like, by the way, I just need to make it clear. Best looking bubble venue of any league oh, by far. A hundred percent. And that includes, and that includes WWE's Thunderdome, <laughs> which is solid, but, um, uh, the
3: WNBA wobble setup was. Uh, I felt like I was watching a video game. I loved it. It was beautiful. Love it. And that's in fact, a, the, 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 the court in the court in your WNBA games on NBA 2K uh, currently looks exactly like the court uh, at IMG. So the, they uh, they of course include fans in NBA 2K, but the court is the one from IMG, which I think is really cool. Thank you everybody for listening. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at WNBA nation pod. You can also check out this episode on our YouTube channel. If you want to see the videos that Jason has put together, um, you can hop on the YouTube channel and, and skip ahead to those parts of the episode and check those out. Um, make sure that if you're listening on Apple podcasts, that you are hitting us up with a five-star review. We greatly appreciate that. That alone, that tiny act will actually help get uh, move our show up the, the podcast ranks and hopefully explore, expose more and more people to the uh, incredible product that is the WNBA. Um, it's something small that you can do to help us and that we hope in turn ends up helping the league and, and reaching a wider audience. Um, make sure if you're listening to this, you hop over onto our Twitch channel. That's twitch.tv slash WNBA Nation. Hit us up with a follow there. We're slowly approaching affiliate status. We need 50 followers. And as soon as we do that, we can start to uh, bring in a little bit of extra uh, monetization, which will then... Uh, of course, help our show uh, with our production costs and with uh, being able to cover the league in a better way. Um Thank you again, everybody who's tuning in live, everybody who's listening uh, as this episode uh, drops on all the podcast feeds or you on YouTube as well who are, are watching this. Um, but for WNBA Nation, I'm Kyle
0: Haywood. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm Jason Snow. And I'm Logan Jones. And we got you next time.